Hello, lovely learners. Welcome back to this week's episode of the podcast. Before we jump into this episode, I want to take a sec to mention to you that if you found value in this podcast or are about to enjoy an awesome episode, then there is a way for you to support us monetarily. Do you have two euros lying around? Since you might not be spending that on your weekly coffee at Starbucks, you can get some awesome benefits by supporting us on Patreon, such as getting access to the VIP discussion area, being able to ask future guests questions in advance, and even being able to access my PDF of how to start a podcast, but that's at a higher tier. If you check out the link in the description where it says Patreon, then it would mean the world to me if you could help support this podcast starting only from two euros. It's super simple and it's a way for you to connect with me and also show your support. I appreciate it and now enjoy this episode. We're live. Today I'm speaking with Andre Lauer. He's a trainer, coach and nutrition guide interested in human patterns. Initially he thought that being a professor was super cool and his calling. Then he attended a TNT and it completely shifted his perspective and that learning and teaching people to live a better life is actually a paramount and his mission. Today we're speaking about self-sabotage and how we can get rid of these patterns of self-destruction to live more fulfilling lives. So, hi Andre, great to have you here. How are you doing? Hello world. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm doing quite well, actually, surprisingly well so far. <laughs> awesome. We're recording this in the middle of April, so still full shutdown. And as I said, we're talking about self-sabotage. And basically, that comes from brain or m- patterns in our mind that can prevent us for, from doing what we really want. And I want to know, just to start off, how did, you, how did this topic come into mind and how did this interest blossom? Well, I, I think um, I'm a very curious person in general, so I'm always trying to learn about things that people do. Um, and the thing is, I, I feel like it got personal at some point. So I was realizing that there are some experiences that I was having that were negative and that in the end I needed to take full ownership for. So um, I, had a, uh, I had a burnout when I was 20, which is not something you should put on your CV or experience. And um, I had some I had some difficulties while I was doing things that I was loving, and I, I was just wondering like what am I doing wrong? And then I ended up reading a book, which was about like extreme cases of human behavior. So it's like what would you do uh, if a very extreme situation happened? It's very unlikely to happen in your lifetime, but I still found it interesting what uh, what kind of patterns people had there. And then I asked. Myself, okay, but how is it on an everyday basis? Like, what are people doing on an everyday basis? What kind of patterns do they have where they are doing something that is not helping them get to where they want to be? Mm-hmm. So, I think I, I, I started it because it was somehow personal to me. And yeah, that's, that's the origins. Mm. Do you mind sharing what the book was? Maybe it could be interesting to hear about. Yeah, the book is called uh, You Are Not So Smart. And it's about things that people do if there is a situation they're not prepared for. So something that you never thought about in your life happening all of a sudden, and then you are doing something without actually thinking about it. So what's the mm. first reaction? And usually it's not the best thing. So. No, for sure not. Being able, 
um, reading powerful questions like that can really shift your perspective. And it's super cool to hear about how it's your interest in self-sabotage started. But just to get everybody on the same page, what is the art of self-sabotage for you? Well, the, this, this is for me really important. So um, I, I'm a trained linguist from university, so I really care about words. And I was actually researching on, on how people use words and, and, and in their discourse. And that, that's why I think it's important to realize that self-sabotage is not like small things we do every day that are just like, I don't know, I, I crossed the street when the light was red and then the car almost hit me. That's like, okay, that's, that's stupid. But it, it's probably not something you are doing every day. Mm -hmm. uh, if you are, you should stop it though. Um, and it's more something that is really creating problems. So self-sabotage is a kind of behavior that creates problems in your life. These can be um, problems for you. These can be problems in the sense of they are keeping you from achieving something that you've always wanted to achieve, or they can also be, um, they can be interpersonal and intrapersonal. So it could also be that it creates, it's a behavior that creates problem, a problem between you and other people. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what are some examples then to understand this? I mean, I, I like using um, examples that I've experienced myself. So I think something that's very common is if you think about like the, the beginning of the year and you set these resolutions and you're like, okay, I'm going to get uh, in shape this year. Finally, I say it every year, but now I mean it like for real. And I'm going to go to the gym every day and, um, I'm finally going to have that body I, I, I deserve and all these things. Mm. Um, and then at some point, things might go wrong, you know, like for whatever reason, you might end up not going to the gym on a day that you were planning to. And it's perfectly possible that's happening out of your, like outside of control. So I don't know, um, you are, you, you get stuck in traffic somewhere and it's too late and the gym is closed. And you're like, okay, that's not a problem by itself. Mm -hmm. But what usually happens is that people create a kind of pattern. So it's like, okay, I, I, I screwed up today and there's no point in going back tomorrow. Like, why should I go to the gym again tomorrow then? Because I already fucked up the plan. And this is interesting if you look at it from the outside. Objectively, if, you're, if you've been going to the gym for a month and then there's like one day where you couldn't make it for whatever reason, it doesn't change much. But mm -hmm. in your narrative, it changes everything. So the sabotage begins because you're, you're telling yourself uh, uh, a story there that this was an important thing that you fucked up and you continue doing it because the next day you're not very likely to go back to the gym. That's actually something that, um, yeah, the, the, I know there's some, some research about that and there are some experiments even in, in the gym case where gyms uh, give people money back every time they come. So it's like you pay the amount uh, when you sign up on the on the first of the month and if you come like 15 times that month or however many times you you planned every time you get a part of the money back so if you go as often as you said you would you pay nothing and it it works for the gym because people people don't stick to it so essentially you create some kind of plan and it backfires and then that's where your brain starts going going bananas so this is for me the interesting thing because once if you do something once it's a decision you know and mm -hmm. it can be a positive or a negative decision but you you're very likely to keep doing certain things so if you didn't go to the gym on day 31 it's quite likely that you're not going to start going back like in the second month you're probably gonna 
wallow in your self-pity and say, I already screwed it up. So today I'm not going, what's the point? Why am I doing all of this? And then you start having all these narratives in your head. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's similar with, it's similar with, uh, with, with diets and food and so on. There's, there's the same thing happening. You take a bad decision, but um, a lot of people, they have patterns already and they continue with something. So it's not the problem that you had a pizza once while you were on a very strict diet, but the problem is after you had the pizza, you might go into, oh, I screwed it up right now, so it doesn't matter anymore. And that's exactly how these things happen sometimes. Yeah, and it's totally, it makes me think of so many different uh, theories and applications. I guess it's really linked to what kind of, how you see yourself, right? If, if you mm -hmm. fuck up one time, then, and if you tied a lot of importance to this outcome, then you will probably see yourself in a certain way and continue to act in that way that this identity that you have for yourself um, would act. Like this mm -hmm. makes me think about the book about habits by James Clear, where he's talking about to change a habit, you really need to dig deep into the person that you want to become, the identity that you create, because yeah, simply creating the new habit of going to the gym is great but if you don't see yourself as a person that goes to the gym or a person that likes or does exercise then it doesn't even matter because until you get enough little wins or make that shift in your mind then it's completely um different yeah i think actually james clear is a good good example here because um this is the the thing a lot of people aren't aware of that you are if you're just going to say that I'm going to go running and you go running and then maybe one day you don't, then you break your own narrative. But if you are trying to embody what you would like to achieve and you say, okay, I am a runner. A runner doesn't go running every day. It's okay if I don't mm -hmm. go running today, but what would I do if I would be the kind of person I want to be? Maybe today I'm just going to stretch then, or I'm going to do something else, but you can do something that's that's positively contributing to your narrative. And I think this is, this is one of the things that people aren't doing, that they're really thinking, I have a plan. It has to be exactly like this. I'm going to do, do, do. And then at some point, something doesn't work out and then everything is ruined, you know? And that's actually not how it is. Yeah, that's super true. To maybe create a, a little step-by-step -step or an understanding of where to start tackling these because there's so many ways to tackle self-sabotage what would be the first um, advice or coaching question that you would ask somebody to start tackling self-sabotage? So the first thing that's important, as, as we just mentioned, is like this, this idea you have of yourself mm -hmm. um, and just the ability to reflect. I think this is, this is the first important thing. So I would, I would ask people for examples of situations they were in where they didn't reach the outcome they wanted and it was because of certain things that happened that they contributed to it. Because I think it's, it's easier to talk about something that, that happened, um, that has already happened and that you're not now emotionally attached to like, oh yeah, like two years ago, I was trying out a new diet and then it didn't work and I was like this. Because um, yeah, I, I think there's less emotional attachment to that then. And um, after, so the first thing is just reflecting really and trying to identify um, what kind of examples you have, because it's likely that you are you are showing some kind of this behavior 
in some areas in your life, but maybe sometimes it doesn't have these extremely negative outcomes. So you just accept it because, you know, it's, it's okay, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then at some point, maybe it has an outcome that gets you really, really annoyed because it, it, it has meaning. Like it, it got in the way of you doing something or, or becoming someone that was very important to you. And then you start and then you can look at, okay, but when was I doing these kind of things before? Maybe in other areas. Because I think it's important to realize it's not a specific thing, but there's a lot of different ways in which in which this self sabotage can can display. So it's very common that it has to do with um, behaviors like um, like like I mentioned eating, like comfort eating or overeating, or like procrastinating and just not doing the things until it's too late, um, or things like self medication or or in a, in a very extreme case self injury. But there's Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways in which this can play out. And a lot of times we're not even aware of it until we do it. And it has an outcome that really, really annoys us. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's good to to reflect on on examples in your life where you may have showcased such such a pattern and just to identify them. I think this is the beginning. Like you need to be reflected enough to be able to realize that this is not something new, but this is something that you've done one way or another for some Mm -hmm. time probably. And just look for examples. I think that's the, the the beginning of everything. True. It's often that it's only when we get to the extreme where it's painful that we start to react. And sometimes that can be a really long time before we even realize it, right? So it's import- important to ref- yeah. reflect more continuously. Absolutely. I mean, in my case, it was the same thing. For instance, when I when I burned out, I realized that I'm very bad mm-hmm. with setting boundaries because I was always available and I was always helpful and I was always there and present. But those are things that I was doing for years before that, you know. It's just that they never led me to this amount of like work overload and unhappiness and all those things combined. And then at some point you're like, oh damn, like I've been doing this for some time. Now it got really bad. I should really stop this. But before it's very unlikely that you say, okay, it's bothering me a little bit so let's really change this now it's like the moment that things are too much you're going to want to change them totally and you mentioned these things during your your training which i attended it was super cool about self-sabotage thanks so i'm uh wondering yeah what are the different types of uh mindsets or how has this been um programmed into our brain for like since the caveman age right because you mentioned some cool diagrams there well the the important thing is First of all, I have to, I want to protect our brain a little bit. Yeah. And the same Mm -hmm. goes for our body, by the way, essentially they're trying to keep us alive. Yeah. And they're relatively good at it because we're still here. So there are some, some things that are programmed there that make a lot of sense or have made a lot of sense in the past, but sometimes some programs remain. And right now we don't need them that much anymore, but they're still active. So it's, you know, the same if you have software that's a bit outdated, it might still work, Mm. but you might be able to find something better. And when it comes to, to this kind of self-sabotaging behavior, there's essentially three parts that are playing together, but they're not really playing together. They're more like separately playing at the same time. And the important thing is, so we have this reptilian brain, which is the, the most ancient and most primal part of our brain. And this one is just reacting to things. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's basic. It's like a very basic software. And it has certain things it can do, but it's not made necessarily for the 21st century to understand <laughs> all the facets of things because it's very different from how, how life was before when 
when we were not living in these large societies and so on. So it's just reacting to, to things and it doesn't know how to differentiate between times. So mm -hmm. what, it, uh, what it will do most of the time is just try to keep us alive, um, which is something it must have been good at if we're still here. But then the thing is that our threats have changed. So before it was important to have this part of the brain be on the whole day because maybe there was some animal that was going to eat us or maybe mm -hmm. there was some other threat. And um, it made a lot of sense for it to, to be there. But nowadays threats are very different. So we are quite unlikely in a, if we live in a city to be threatened by animals that will eat us or things like that, you know? So, yeah, yeah so it's... it's uh, basically just a thing of um am i going to survive if i do this or not um and yeah is this dangerous and this this is like the most basic layer then there's there's the mammalian brain wait one sec on the reptilian i just just to give an example of like a more modern time um threat per se instead of like a saber-toothed tiger chasing after us it could be even something like uh, somebody commenting something somewhat even a little bit critical on a photo that we posted somewhere on social media and then that we that would make us um yeah react i guess in a frightened or way yeah i mean that's totally possible right. that someone is threatening our identity in some way or our image we have of ourselves so it's mm -hmm. like if you think about it logically it's way less threatening than uh something that yeah. will eat you but the brain doesn't differentiate it's just like is this no. is this threatening or not is this gonna Am I going to survive this or not? Should I do this or not? So there's not a lot of uh, gray space and there's not a lot of um, a lot of color in there. And it's totally stupid because it's yeah, it's not threatening, threatening, but our mind might see it like that just because it can exclude us from um, our tribe or question our identity and that can make us feel insecure. But of course, the first step is awareness, I guess, of understanding that this is not as severe as a saber-toothed tiger. Yeah, totally. So it's uh, it's not the most reliable narrator in our in our head, this part of the brain. And it's important to see it that way. Like in some cases, it's going to help us survive. But th that's only in extreme situations where there is an actual danger. And then mm -hmm. it's good because this just happens automatically. So, you know, maybe there's a there's a car that, that you don't see because it's a, it's it's in some angle. You can't see it, but mm -hmm. you're going to react in the sense of you're gonna jump away from it or something like this that's good but that's not how most people's days unfold you know totally totally and then what's the second part of the brain you're saying so then there's there's the mammalian brain uh which is focusing on on feeling so its main responsibility is to um yeah to predict if something's going to be pleasurable or not so it's this idea of uh, seek pleasure and avoid punishment. Mm -hmm. So that's what it does. It, it tries to, you know, again, it's, it's kind of a black or white thing. It's either a reward or it's a punishment. And it, it differentiates in that way. So th it's like, okay, if I do this, will I feel good? Or will I have some kind of pain because I choose to do this? And um, what's important is that what feels good isn't always good for us. Uh, but it doesn't know how to distinguish. So it's just like, if something feels good, that's good. If something feels bad, that's not good. And, and this is, this is 
one of the main main problems with this you know it, it it's it's based on experiences we've had in the past and it predicts based on that if something is going to be you know pleasurable or not and again this is not the most reliable person to to listen to you know like if this were a friend mm -hmm. then they would just say oh you know five years ago when you did that so cool do that again you would start to question your friend but this is this is how how this layer of the brain actually works mm -hmm. true, yeah. true. so a lot of a lot of black and white and just trying to make sure that you are okay right now and you know feel good go for everything that feels good you know like <laughs> even if it's not something that is actually healthy or good for you in any way go for it mm. if you feel like if you see a cake go for it i mean cakes are good you always feel good when you have a cake all right you know it doesn't it does it doesn't nuance so so it's like yeah. very short term thinking as well yeah it's right now yeah. right now mm -hmm. is this good or not and is this good in the way it feels not in the way it has an outcome for us okay okay yeah, yeah. makes sense yeah so so yeah that's the second layer and then we have the cognitive brain um which is yeah essentially it's able to distinguish between different times so it doesn't only refer to the past it doesn't only go into oh this this is an experience you've had in the past this is how it worked out and it predicts but it's able to think of new ways of doing things so you can actually um try out something even though that's not what you did in the past. So it allows you to have a, a new kind of behavior. And I think this is, this is important to realize. It's actually more oriented towards the future in the sense that it, it wants you to be okay, but not just right now. So it doesn't want you to do something that just feels good, but it allows you to come up with something that will actually be, be beneficial for you. Um, so yeah, this is this mm. is where you're allowed to try out something new, and this is the good part because like here's the good news: even if you are having some patterns of behavior that you know historically haven't been good for you, um, there's a part of your brain that is very open to changing that, mm. you know, and allows you this. So don't blame it. Don't blame it on on the other layers in the brain. Um, if you if yeah you feel like change is difficult, it's it's possible. Is it the more rational yeah. side you'd say? Yeah, I mean it's the it's more about uh, logic and reasoning. Mm -hmm. So it's like trying to compute like a possible solution and not just saying, oh, let's do again what we did before because at least we know the outcome, you know? Hey, what's up? You've reached the mid-episode break, listening to The Learning Experience. Yes, we just changed our name. It's a podcast provided by Trainers Forum, which you can check out at trainersforum.org to connect with us and learn more, and also with myself at oscarward.com, with all the links being in the description. As I said at the beginning, if you're enjoying this podcast, we have a Patreon account where you can support the podcast monetarily from as little as two euros. But also, taking a screenshot of this episode right now and sharing it on social media helps a ton. Tag Trainers Forum on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. Share it with your friends. And of course, make sure to tag myself, Oscar All Day on Instagram, or Oscar War everywhere else. If you want to be really involved, you can send us a voice message using the last link in the description to ask any future guests specific questions or to simply leave a comment because I love listening to those. The support really helps. And right now, two euros can make a huge difference so that we can get an editor to make these more consistently and more awesome. Check out the links in the description and enjoy the rest of this episode.
And how do you think this can show up in training? Since this is a podcast about uh, training a little bit, I'm wondering what are some ways that self-sabotage might stop us from giving our best or yeah, showing up as we want to? I mean, the very first thing that, that comes to my mind here is the actual preparation of the trainings. Mm-hmm. Because I think, or even the same with, with following up afterwards, I think a lot of times, even though we might be capable trainers and we have the necessary experience and so on, um, it happens that we have like, a, let's say, subpar preparation because of certain decisions we take and they're not based on our competence and they're not based on our experience. They're just like some kind of behaviors. So um, I-, I wanted to say, I'm thinking of a friend right now, but it's clearly me. Um, <laughs> so I have this experience as well that when I know I'm, go- I'm going to be delivering a training, there are moments of, of small sabotage in, in there when I'm preparing. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's definitely one of the ways it can play out. Now, on the other hand, um, I don't want to, to paint it black and white. So I think um, in some cases, there are also patterns of behavior that like, they might look like they are being, let's say, negative or they make you lose time or things. But maybe there are things that actually help you in some other way. Like maybe they are rituals or things like that, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Uh, for instance, I really enjoy having a shower before a training mm-hmm. and I'm willing to come compromise the last part of my preparation time to go and do that because I know it's good for me. Yeah, there will be a moment when I'm thinking, why am I doing this when I'm in the shower? But I know that I know the feeling that I will come out with. And I know that it's worth more than spending those like 15 minutes on final preparations and ruminations. It's actually something that gets me away from it and gets my brain into another place and then I can go back to it. Um, I think it's the same for, for following up. And I think this is something a lot of trainers are struggling with, or at least this is where I see the biggest difference between people who are very consequent in like, okay, I delivered this now. I want to wrap it up and finish it in the sense of, I want to give this to the participants or I want to also finish it for myself, like get it out of my head, mm-hmm. put it into a coherent form. Um, this is where I see a lot of difference between people. And I think here it's the same thing that um, you get into some some narratives again, like one that I've observed a lot is this thing of you try at the end of an event to create some kind of output together with other people and you don't quite make it. So you like you start working on it and then you have something, but it's not completed. Mm-hmm. And then you say, OK, let's have a call or something when you're back home next week and so on. And it starts this this cycle of, um, well, since I didn't finish it last week, does anyone still actually care about it now? Oh, yeah. And this is something that, 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 hap- that I see with a lot of people. In the past, it happened to me as well that I would tell myself that as a justification. So I would say, yeah, it's half done my output, but now it's, it's been more than two weeks. I mean, who <laughs> of those people still actually cares yeah, about it? Yeah, Who's yeah. going to read it anyways and these things? And I find other things to do meanwhile. Well, it's not that I don't know how to make this and it's not a, a problem of competence or time or anything. It's just the narrative that is like, who the fuck cares about this thing? I mean, I delivered the training and I'm done. And I think that's not the, the, the right attitude to have as a trainer. I think you should always try to, to serve other people and help them have learning experiences. And sometimes it can be that something like there's a question in, 
that was not in your session, but it's in some kind of output and it triggers something in someone like, hey, I'm curious about this. I'm going to research now. Mm -hmm. That's useful. True, true. You never know what people might learn from the, the after effects. Exactly, exactly. And then I think, I do think self-sabotage also shows up in trainings directly, like in the actual delivery of trainings. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it shows up in, in, in so many different ways that sometimes it's difficult to point out that it is, it is actually happening. So I've had this, I've had this experience with, uh, with some, some people where, I don't know, they, they just procrastinate or they, they do comfort eating or these kind of things when they're in a high stress situation. Mm -hmm. And of course they don't just do this at home, but they also do this while they are at an event. Um, so I, I do think it shows up also during, during training sessions while, while you are like in the arena with people. Um, yeah, because like there's a lot of strong narratives that people have. And I think it's, it's good to ask yourself some questions, let's say preventively, like, okay, if I'm, if I'm feeling that if I realize, if I'm lucky to realize that there's a part of my brain taking over that right now shouldn't really be on, like mm -hmm. there's some kind of danger lights flashing. It's always <laughs> good to ask yourself, what is, what is this threat actually? Like, what is this threat and is it real? Mm. Is it real or is it just imagined? You know, is it something that can lead to a negative outcome? Yeah. Like, and then, I mean, if you have the luxury of time and energy for going through that, um, it can it can help a lot to think of what is the what what could happen. So, what is the best case that can happen? What is the worst case? Obviously, you shouldn't start thinking about what is the worst case if you're not emotionally in a good place at that moment, because it can trigger a lot of feelings. But if you're like, okay, I'm about to do a session and I'm a bit nervous about it. Um, it's not about competence, but it's about there are so many things that could go mm -hmm. wrong. And Uncertainty. Maybe I haven't done this one yeah. before. Yeah. Maybe I haven't done this one for a while or, you know, I think that's important to, to, to think what is the worst thing that can happen? So the worst thing that can happen is that you screw up and then what <laughs> happens? What's the outcome? Well, either you show it. You own it. And everyone yeah. sees it. Or, yeah. Or you hide it and no one knows because they don't know what you were going to do. Or you just own it and you're like, hey, like, did you, did you realize that I did like half an hour ago? That was like one of the biggest screw ups. But, you know, we're learning here. So it didn't, you know, it, it was an initial failure, but it didn't, it doesn't need to impact everything. And I think that's, that's also, that, that's where a lot of other things come in as well. Like, how comfortable are you with being vulnerable in front of other people and so on and sharing about what you're thinking at the moment and these things. But I think it can, yes. yeah, it can really help to think about the, what is actually this worst case and to realize it's not that bad. Like in the worst case, I don't know, for me, very often what happens in trainings when I get kind of either stressed or emotional is that I start making jokes. <laughs> what is the worst thing that can happen? I make a joke that's inappropriate or someone gets offended or people don't laugh. That's not that yeah. bad. Yeah. But if you're, if you're already in your narrative, it's very bad because maybe you think of yourself as someone who's good at connecting with people, as someone who's mm. funny or any of these things. And then you, you, your identity is that true that. Oh so, shit. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Again, it's just think about what's the worst thing that could happen and, and talk about it with other people as well. Like, like, I think what's important in this whole topic is that you don't have to do everything yourself all the time. It's totally fine to 
talk with others. And sometimes you will realize when you tell someone, hey, I'm afraid that I will make an inappropriate joke in, in my training or something like that, or I'll forget what I wanted to say. And the other person will be like, okay, what's the problem with that? <laughs> like, it happens or just go back to your slides and say, sorry, we're going to take a break or whatever. Like, there's always a solution. So I think it's important also to point out that um, as trainers, we we don't need to do everything ourselves. And we can always, we can always find other people to, to talk with about how we're feeling and what we're thinking, what we're going through. I think this actually helps a lot not to get into your own narrative where I'm going to screw this up again because last time it happened. No, just, you know, what do you think about this? And yeah, it's not that bad usually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Leaning into vulnerability. Yeah. So many, so many questions just came to my mind. Like just starting from even the, the prep phase of being able to identify of if there is pressure and is this feeling, where is this feeling coming from? And by me taking this piece of cake, what is what is actually happening there? Is that to compensate or to deal with it? Or And then, yeah, just being able mm. to identify what questions you're asking yourself helps. And yeah, talking about failure, this was totally happening in one of my sessions and about vulnerability. So I was really trying to embrace this feeling of being open and vulnerable to share what I was going through because luckily I had a co-trainer and she was able to help me, but my computer crashed a few times, <laughs> so it wasn't ideal. Um, but apparently it wasn't too noticeable by the participants because my co-trainer was able to fill the spaces and um, continue with the content. But I wanted to really own that and say that like, yeah, Hopefully the computer crashing wasn't such too impactful for people, but they still had, were able to appreciate the session. And yeah, just to be able to say that, yeah, it was, it happened and it's okay. We can move on now. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, now that everything is, is, is moving online again, um, I had the same the last weeks, these, these past weeks. Um, I'm thinking a lot of times, what if I, I'm in a session and some like, I don't know, the, the internet crashes. Mm -hmm. Like, what am I going to do? And what's interesting is that um, I think in that case, um, a lot of times it's like you're making it a personal thing, right? Because mm -hmm. like you want to do this training and, and it's personal at that point. You, you think people it. are expecting a huge thing, but... Yeah, yeah. And then the thing that you can realize is that, look, I, I doubt anyone would be like, uh, Oscar like three times in the training like he should have totally had a better like laptop or internet connection or preparation or something it's like no one is ever going to actually say that no one thinks that no one actually like cares in that sense about this thing it's never a, a personal thing I was I was also like worrying for a couple of weeks about what what happens if I mean uh, how can I prevent getting stuck in the session out you know how would the session yeah. unfold without me of course there are some things you could do um but in the end it's it's like worrying a lot about things that other people don't care about that much like it's not a threat it's not threatening your identity they're not going to say you're a bad trainer because halfway through you were gone for three minutes um it can happen like it's a possibility and it's also something you can just mention to people like sorry like I'm, I, I can't really be that picky right now about where I am because there's not mm -hmm. really choice, you know? So exactly. I, I need to work with what I have and everyone understands that. Yeah. And it's not, a, not even a problem, you know? So, but I had the same in my head. I was like, uh, I, I cannot, I, I can't do anything to sabotage myself that that was my way of thinking 
that's that's going to make this not happen. But what if the internet provider has a problem right at that time? I'm like, well, first of all, I can't control it. And second of all, no one is going to use that ever against me that that happens. Totally. Yeah. yeah, and it's also about knowing what's in and outside of your control. If you prepared as best as you can or to your to as much as you wanted, then that's the best that you can do. And everything else is out of your control, right? Yeah, like this is very important, especially now that like a lot of countries are still in lockdown. And um, I, I see some people that are really thinking about what can I control and how can I use my time and what can I do for others. And then I see other people that are thinking, okay, like all these things are happening outside and I'm going to spend my whole day thinking about like how, how this is unfolding and this and that and ruminate. And I think this is important also in the training setting, you know, like uh, when you're in the session, then probably you are the person with the most competence on this, let's say. It's possible that you're delivering a, a training to, to a group where there are people who have been doing what you are talking about for a while. So they might, might even have more experience than you. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, you're always a person of, I hope it doesn't go for everyone, but you're, you're usually a person of some kind of competence. And, and, and that's where you start out from. And I had this experience where I was doing uh, workshops on digital skills. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it took me 10 or 15 minutes at the beginning to, to get everything working, even though I set it up before. So for some reason, the projector uh, shut down again. And then I had to turn on the computer mm -hmm. in that location. And some, somehow, they never wanted to communicate. So I was just standing there like, OK, like this is fun. I'm going to tell you about digital skills. And I don't manage to get this on. <laughs> then again, I also don't live here. This is neither my computer nor my projector. So you know, maybe you can understand. Yeah. And meanwhile, let's, let's use the time and do something useful. Let's talk about like, why you are here or something. You know, it's never, never that, that critical if, if, if something happens that's out of our control. It's OK. There's always, you know. True. One of the best skills for trainers or coaches or any kind of teachers to be able to adapt as well on the spot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. One a last question that I had um, that I thought of before was does how can self sabotage impact the way we learn? Or, yeah, let's go for learning. Because I imagine that just the perception that we have of ourselves or our limiting beliefs could Im impact that. Yeah, again, it, it goes back to what's unfolding in, inside of our brain. So I, I think a lot of times we are seeing everything around us as a threat still, even though it's not. Mm -hmm. And this prevents us from learning properly because you might have to get out of your comfort zone or you might have to own up certain things. Um, I think this is, this, is, um, this is important, like that... that Mm. you you need to be able to realize that in the past something hasn't worked out and now you need to do something else so that you know you learn something or it changes yeah. um, and i think a lot of times we get stuck because we already have a and it's it's you know influenced by so and so many years of our life and it's quite coherent this is one of the problems that um I mentioned before that it's not very a very re reliable narrator if we listen to parts of our brain that are thinking in black and white and are trying to just protect us. And it's the same thing with, with, with learning. Um, we have certain things that we learn very quickly. Like if we, are, if we experience pain by doing something, 
that's a very efficient way to learn. Like, yeah. okay, I'm not going to do that. Like last week I poured some hot water over my foot because I was holding up the, the teacup and I didn't notice it was already full because I was just looking outside for a moment <laughs> and it started to run over my foot. So I was like, okay, next time I'm going to put the teacup down somewhere and I'm going to pour and I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to pour hot water over my foot because it hurts. And, and this is very simple because it's like, I did this one thing and I had this one outcome. Okay, it hurt. I'm not going to do that again. But, but throughout life, we, we collect these, um, yeah, these, these patterns of things like events and outcomes, like we are conditioned. And in the beginning, they are very simple. As a kid, you put your hand on the stove, you burn it, and then you're, you're not going to do that again normally. Some people continue because it's fun or whatever. <laughs> but normally, you're, you won't do this because you just had a learning experience. If you put your hand on the stove while it's on, that hurts. You shouldn't do that. But over time, these things, they, they become more and more complex. So it's not one event and then one outcome, but it starts to be longer and longer chains of things that your brain puts together that lead to something. And obviously, they're not like reliable. It's not that it's true. The brain is saying the last time these five things happened and then this outcome was mm. there. So as long as it's a, it's a one, one to one thing, like, you know, you put your hand there, it hurts, you learn, don't put your hand there. That's simple conditioning. But over time, your brain tries to, like your brain is trying to keep you alive and, and to cope with how complex your life is and society and everything these days. So it tries to predict all the time. It tries to predict if you're going to survive something. It tries to predict if it's going to be fun or not, if it's going to be good or not. And it tries to create these very complicated chains of events. And that, that's one of the things. So your, your brain is a bit in your way of actually learning because it, it will put in some information that's actually not that reliable, that, totally. that may not be relevant at all. Yeah. yeah. And it can be a bit difficult even to identify what steps are creating the problem or to see yeah, um, how, how our mind is trying to protect us, but also sabotaging us at the same time. And like yeah. a, a coach or somebody who can ask you questions to flip your point of view on its side is often helpful for that, actually, I found. Absolutely. And it's the same thing again for if you have friends that know you well mm -hmm. and that have seen you in situations where something didn't work out, ask them and they can help you to, to recreate this, this actual link of events, you know, not the one you have in your head, but what actually happened the last time you did that thing that was, you know, totally not helpful for anything. Ask other people if, if they have a perspective on this because they've seen something um, that can be very, very helpful because this is like, first you need to identify it. You need to be open to, to realizing these things, but then it helps a lot if you get other perspectives. So it can be a professional person like a coach, for instance, but it can also just be someone who knows you well and who can tell you, no, no, that story you're telling there, that's actually not what happened from my perspective. Here's, here's event one, here's event two, here's event three, and this is the outcome it had. And this is, this is very useful because once you have uh, a, a good idea of what this chain was, you can start working on it. So you can do the actual work and look for other things that you could do in this kind of situation. Like you can try to break apart this link and say next time in this situation, I'm not going to again do these steps, but 
let's see what else I could do. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's absolutely vital to to get different perspectives because yeah, you're you're gonna get stuck if you're just using your own narrative for that. So true. And one quote that my dad uses sometimes in problem solving is that the brain that created the problem can't solve the problem because they only see it as it is and you need somebody out from the outside, a different brain to to help you understand that. Yeah, and, and, and additionally, one thing that um, coaching has taught me is that a lot of times it's not even what the other person says, but it's listening to yourself while you're explaining mm -hmm. something to mm -hmm. someone. And you're like, wait, I never thought that before. And it's like, yes, you did. You just never realized it. <laughs> You know, there's no reason, there's no reason if you have a good report with your coach that you're going to say things you never thought before. It's just, you're not going to filter and you're going to realize this is how I actually think. Oh, okay. This is what happens very often with my coaches is that it's not only what I say or what I ask, but it's the way they say things. I'm like, wait, did you just listen to yourself? I was like, oh, I wasn't aware of that. So yeah. Yeah, that's so true. There's so many more ways we could go with this, but we are running out of time at the moment. So what I'm wondering is, what are the some last tips or actions that you would um, want listeners to take when listening to this episode? Well, um, there's a couple of things you can do. So the first thing I, I, I find very important to say, like I said at the beginning, uh, don't don't dramatize or don't pathologize things you do. If you take a bad decision every now and then, we all do. That's fine. Um, if you have patterns, like you realize that there are things that repeatedly happen, that's where you may want to start thinking and reflecting on it. Mm -hmm. Then I advise you to not only hear yourself and look at your own story, but get other, other people to support you, whether it's friends or family, like people who see you a lot and who know how you behave in certain situations, whether it's a coach or, or anyone else who can offer a different perspective. Um, that's like the second thing. So get some kind of support. You don't need to do everything in life by yourself. And I think as trainers, we often just want to do things by ourselves until we realize, wow, there's so much knowledge and, and support and everything out there. Um, then one thing also I find important is that this is very much linked to how you think about yourself, mm -hmm. right? So you are now going to create a lasting change in a positive way if you don't think you deserve it. And this is not something that is happening on a conscious level. This is something that's happen happening on a subconscious level where you have a certain setting for this is what I deserve. And I think that's, that's something that's also important to, to, to go into. Like you're not going to create a better kind of behavior to replace this if there's a part of you that doesn't feel you deserve it. Because if your reaction is, I always do that, like, there I go again, then you're already expecting that. And then, you know, you are, yeah, you're in a place where you cannot really change that. So, so that's, yeah. Um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of going, going inside. It's a lot of reflection. It's a lot of trying to identify things, but um, it's autopilot. Like, yeah, it, it happens that some, you know, for some situations there is an autopilot, but you don't need to have part to see people change and to be like, you know, some months ago, I would totally have reacted differently in this situation and I would have done something that would have harmed me in some way, like my career or my friendships or, you know, my, my, my life. That's, that's what I think is important to take out. Like, it's totally possible. Mm -hmm. You don't just become very good at it. It's like everything else. You need to practice it. And yeah. Yeah. It starts with um, awareness and then being able to mm -hmm. identify it. Yeah. And I think like on a, on a personal note, 
um, it sounds like it sounds like something that's that's going to be like work, you know, like work on yourself and practice, but make it fun. Like mm. I only I only change behaviors if I find a fun way to to interact with them. <laughs> and it also means being being okay with making fun of myself in certain situations. Like I can I can now own certain things I do um that are some kind of behavior that has sabotaged me in the past and that's really helping me to to enjoy this because i'm like look at that idiot because i'm detached from it like that's past me it was okay that i was like that but also i believe in the you know possibility to go and change and it's fine that now i'm different and i've learned you know so make it fun don't think about it only as like self-improvement and i need to i don't know pay money and invest time and all that but think about like small things you can do that are going to help you on a, on a daily basis to to want to to continue make it fun you know totally yeah 100 percent agree with that awesome thank you so much andre for spending the time with me where can people get to know you a bit better or if they want to reach out to you for any coaching or just to hear your thoughts Where can people learn more? Um, so right now I'm I have an application form for uh, coaching. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm trying to help people to get through these kind of externally weird times in a, in an okay way. Um, so I have an application form. It's open. People can sign up there. It's on type form. We can include it in the description. Yeah. Yeah, we can include it in the description. I am like kind of not on Instagram and these kind of things. Um, so you can find me uh, if, if you're interested in this topic or something, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn or or on Facebook. My profile name is just my full name. It's Andre Philip Lauer. Mm -hmm. So I'm over there and I think that's where you can find me. And I hope in the future people can find me also again in uh, in the offline world because that's what I enjoy even more. Yeah. But for now, those are those are the places. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. And you're also big uh, contributor to the transform community i think so you're there i i try i mean i i, I care about it and um it's a it's a nice place to invest some some energy into like i've i've seen a very nice um, development in the last years so yeah you can usually find me um on the on the trainers forum group um and i'm also very like if people have ideas for small initiatives like hey let's change this small thing i'm i'm very much like for 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 small challenges I also launch some sometimes yeah awesome oh yeah you and me were gonna do some write, a writing challenge together that mm -hmm. reminds me <laughs> very much looking forward i need that <laughs> cool thank you so much andre have a great yeah day. thank you for having me thank you so much Hey, i hope you enjoyed that episode do you have one more minute to stick around i just have a couple of things to tell you firstly we have the patreon account where you can support us from as little as two euros. And this will go to growing the podcast. What I'm hoping to do soon is to hire an editor or get a new microphone, because honestly, editing the podcast is a bit of a pain in the butt. But any financial support that we can get really helps. Just check out the link in the bio where it says Patreon, and it would mean the world to me. Thank you so much. And secondly, if you want to get even more information and inspiration about this podcast and Trainers Forum, make sure to join our group and like the page on Facebook called Trainers Forum because that's where we announce everything from events to meetups to workshops, which happen all over Europe. We also have a website, which you can just Google called Trainers Forum.
thank you so much for listening again really appreciate it remember to share this with your friends and other trainers who might find this useful next episode is out in two weeks so until next time see you and have a great day